I was bringing in all the money. I bought my dream car. I bought my dream house at 19. I was working my butt off. But at the end of the day, I realized it had been a couple of months consistently that every day when I drive home, I was crying because I hated it. So I learned, fortunately, at a really young age that money is not the answer to happiness at all. This is episode number 17 with nail salon owner, zipline company owner, former insurance professional, mother hustler of two kids, and wife, Amanda Hartz. Hey mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy. But sisters, we are making it happen, even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Amanda Hartz is a mom, a wife, and an entrepreneur. After leaving a successful career in insurance sales, she left to pursue her own passions as a manicurist and shortly after opened her own nail salon. Next came the Zipline Company near Glacier National Park in Montana. She successfully manages her clients and her employees in order to create an amazing experience for locals and tourists who visit Northwest Montana. She does this all while spending as much time as possible raising her two children and being present in the moment. She loves life, people, and the challenges that arise from being a mom and a business owner. Her favorite thing about being a mom is seeing life through her children's eyes and hearing them laugh. Without further ado, let me introduce you to the mother hustler mothering the world this week, Amanda Hartz. Welcome, everyone. This is your host, Kareen Mills. Welcome to Mother Hustler Podcast. We are graced today by this amazing woman, Amanda Hartz, all the way 
in Kalispell, Montana. Hey, Amanda. Hi, how are you? I am doing wonderful. Um, thank you so much for being here and your willingness to share yeah, your amazing you story. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. So let's see. Give me just a minute. Okay. All right. So can you hear me good? Yes. Perfect. So let the world know who Amanda Hartz is, because I know a little bit about your background, right? Because we kind of, I mean, I, of course, I always stalk my guests' social media and look them yeah. through. Of course, you're here today because you are a mother hustler. You're a mom. Tell us about your journey. Um, you can start anywhere in your journey and let us know the challenges. I love listening to the story behind each and every woman's glory because I think that entrepreneurship and business ownership is such an amazing challenge. But um, looking at online resources and online following other people, what I don't like about sometimes when people post is they just post the fun things that they're doing. And I think that it really needs to be communicated properly that there, that it is challenging and yeah yeah so I'll just let you take over start anywhere you okay. want and then I'll take notes and I'll ask you some questions awesome um so I guess we'll just start with like my work history because that happened before the kids um I started working really hard actually as a teenager I was just motivated from there and then my first real career move I um, got into the insurance industry. Mm -hmm. um, I sold insurance for a while. I became a broker. I was making six figures um, when I was 18, 19 doing that. And the challenge with that came up, I was so good at my job and I was so focused on what I was doing that I didn't realize how unhappy I was until it was like really bad because you know, I was bringing in all the money. I bought my dream car. I bought a house at 19. Um, I was working my butt off. But at the end of the day, I realized it had been a couple months consistently that every day when I drive home, I was crying because I hated it. Wow. Um, so I learned, fortunately, at a really young age that money is not the answer to happiness at all. Mm -hmm. So I've spent a lot of time over the years since then, just going through these random journeys in my personal life, the business life. And I've finally got to a place, um, my new career now, my main one, I have a mm -hmm. couple different businesses, but my main one is I have a salon here in town where I live. Um, and I love it. So I've been a manageress now for eight years and the last two years or two years ago, I opened my own shop. And that's like, it's such a huge passion of mine. Um, you know, it's not making millions, but I'm so incredibly happy. I can come to work, work all day. I usually work 12 hours, like on Tuesdays. Um, mm -hmm. And I leave happy, energized, grateful. I'm mm -hmm. so thankful for all my clients and everything 
that they bring into my salon and just the, the time that we have together. And it's just mm. such an amazing thing compared to the corporate life of selling something for someone else and just killing yourself over it. Yeah. So, um, um, wow. You started at a young age and you were an insurance broker. Did you own your own practice? that what you were doing? I did not. No, I worked um, for a company. It was back then it was called Eastwood Insurance and then it got Mm. bought out by Nationwide. Mm. Um, So I worked for them and I I made some huge accomplishments um, when I was 18, 19 working for them. My first year, I got rookie of the year for sales. I was outselling everyone in the entire company and it was my first year. I was good at it. I was really good at it. And my paychecks reflected that. Um, but that, that's all it was. It was a paycheck. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because, and you explained it well too, because I had a challenge of explaining it properly, you know, because you always, when you're explaining something, you're always thinking, okay, how do I say this so that they hear what they want to hear? Um, and what is running through their head? Um, you and I have a very common story in a sense where I was um, also practicing. I still do, but I was, I own my own um, insurance practice mm-hmm. um, in 2008. And like you, you explain it properly when you say you're so focused and you're so, I mean, serving people has always been a passion of mine. Yeah. Um, so I loved my clients, but it's just the whole system of the way how the system where I worked was just creating a unhappiness inside of me and just really wanting more. And it's, uh, it's super simple, but yet complicated to explain to someone um, when they ask you, why did you drop like all of a sudden just left your insurance practice. Yeah. You know, because it's not like I just thought of it and then dropped it to the next day, right? It's, it's been like a lot of talk. I make pretty good yeah. money here. I love my freedom, but do I really have the freedom if I'm a captive insurance yeah. person? So anyways, go, you know, let's, let's hear the rest of your story and, and where, you know, where that took you and what was it in the insurance or even your prior career that really made you think other than just crying on the way home, that you really wanted something so much more fulfilling? Um, the biggest thing for me, and nothing against the insurance industry on any level, but the biggest thing for me is I just have, I like genuinely care about people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's rules and, you know, certain things are covered in the claims department, certain things aren't covered. And yes. it would kill me when I would sign a client up mm-hmm. and they would give me money. And in exchange, I would give them the promise that we would be there in the event of a claim, a loss. 
And it's such a hard time in anyone's life, no matter whether it's on your homeowner's insurance, your car insurance, you get in an accident. And then for this reason or that reason, something's not covered. It would destroy me every single time because that's just such, I just felt like I was failing them. Even though there's the rules and the regulations, it just wasn't something for me that I could continue to pursue. It's, it's, it's legal, but it wasn't morally in, in line with yeah. your own, with your own soul, you yeah. know, and, and I hear you from that perspective because I was the same way. Okay. Um, there's, there's limitations. Yeah. You know, and gone out and like you said, it is legal. It's right. Like it's an entire industry that's doing it. I, it's just not, you know, for obviously people like us. Yeah. It's not as fulfilling yeah. when you have to be a, a, a messenger of a bad news. Yeah. Um, it's very hard on people and it, it, it's tasking on you. It's very, it drains you when, when your hands are tied because you can, you can only do so much, you know, and, and then you're happy taking their money, but yet there are certain limitations. It's, it really doesn't align, does it? No, it's really it's, hard. And especially like, you know, certain people can only afford certain coverage and then the accident happens and then they're not covered because they couldn't afford it. And it's just this cycle that it just, it is what it is. And yeah, it's hard for me to watch. Yeah, no, I hear you. So tell us a, about motherhood. Tell us about what you're doing now about your salon, all that um, good stuff. Yeah. So, um, I have two kids. My son is five. He's going to be starting kindergarten in the fall, which is like so exciting and so scary at the same time. <laughs> um, and then I have my daughter's four and I've, I'm like, I'm pretty busy in the summer, but outside of the summer, I'd spend as much time as I can with them. Um, so aside from my salon, I mm-hmm. run another company here. It's a tourist business. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I and a partner, we have a zip line here locally, just outside of Glacier National Park. Mm, beautiful. And my husband actually got into it and him and the partner, they had built the structure. Um, they built the, the tower that's on the property, the entire course. And then from there, they didn't have a website. They didn't have booking software. They didn't have anything on the back end side to actually open the business. So I stepped in and I got all that off the ground and running. And this is our fourth summer open. Um, so that keeps me pretty busy in the summer, which is why all my time's tight. But, um, with that being said, I also like, for example, I knew when training was going to happen and all that. So I had planned a camping trip with my kids this past weekend. And it was so much fun. I just kept telling, cause you know, they miss me and all that when I'm this crazy, crazy busy, but it's only for about two, three months out of the entire year. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I just, every day I would remind them like, I'm really busy and I love you. And in two weeks, we're going to go on this fun camping trip. My phone's going to be away and we're just going to be in the wilderness with the camper and go kayaking. Um, so I think that really helps them 
cope with me being away so much in in that time um just constantly reminding them like i'm here for you i'll see you every night at bedtime i'll see you in the morning and then in like you know we would do a countdown to the camping trip and then the whole camping trip was just so much fun i just had a blast they're the cutest things ever they're like kayaking by themselves i was shocked <laughs> that's awesome so you're a busy mom. You have a couple of businesses, husbands, husband. I know our husbands are like kids, right? Oh, yes. Yes. They, they, they like, if you fall apart, our, like our husband falls apart. <laughs> it's, it's good to be needed. Yeah. But um, what is your favorite part in your business, like your salon? Because I know that that is such a fulfilling journey for you. Yeah. My favorite part, honestly, is just my clients. I love spending time with them and being with them. Like I don't, when I come to my salon and get my clients in, I don't really feel like I'm working. Um, mm. I'll be a little bit like drained at the end of the day, just from like the little details. Um, cause I'm doing the manicures and pedicures. Um, but I, I love my clients. They're all amazing. They're all supportive of me. Um, they were all so happy when I left the salon I was in for six years and opened my own place. Um, that's my, that's really my favorite part, just being with them, uh, getting to talk with them, hear what's going on in their life. Um, yeah, you get to know clients really well. Most of them I've seen about every two weeks for like the six to eight years. Wow. So why, awesome. why a salon? Why is that the one that you picked of all the industries to transition oh. to? Well, so back when I was like 14, 15, I did want to go um, into the beauty industry. Mm -hmm. But back then, even at a young age, my mentality was, well, I can't go to school for a year. I have to work. I have to work. Um, so I, I didn't do it. That's when I did retail and then got into the insurance stuff. And then when I quit the insurance world, um, I couldn't find a job doing something that I felt passionate about. And so I was kind of to a point where I hadn't worked for a couple months and I was like, I gotta do something. So I applied to so many random places and I actually got hired on at Target. <laughs> And I honestly love Right. Yes. To accept them as they are, you know? And, and, and not do for them. And that yeah. was one of the things I took when I started raising my son because it was not, I, I never wanted to control him to the point that he didn't formulate his own um, skill set. <laughs> and so that's what happened with my dad and my mom is that she would do that. Like she would. Like, even to this day, she still yeah. tells him to put his leg under the table at the dinner table. <laughs> it's like a big kid. It's, 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 it's pretty standard. <laughs> and for me, I'm, I have really gotten enlightened, and I don't do that. So that was a motivator for me because I'm like, it's better, and I've learned over the years that it's better to live as two people that are independent and that want to be together. Yes, yes. So you talked about um, raising your son. 
Mm-hmm. Tell us about that phase in your life, because now you're a mother, right? We oh, talked yeah. about your mom. Now you're a mother, oh. and and how was that having a newborn at that time? And take us through your motherhood journey. Well, I will tell you. So I had my son right after I turned nineteen, and that was. I never wanted kids. Wow. Never. My whole time growing up, it never was anything I was interested in. And I had met the man of my dreams and we were engaged to be married and I got pregnant. And at that point I was like, well, this is what you do, right? (laughs) Family, this is what you do. Um, and you're going to have a family. It's going to be great. And, uh, I decided to keep him. And at that point, you know, because I had been, you know, mini mom to my sisters or whatever, I had experience, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I was like, this is whatever I'm going to do it. Um, and then, mm, I would say about four months after I gotten pregnant, I had found out that, um, my soon-to-be husband was not the person who I thought. Oh, wow. And that wasn't going to work for me. Because even at the age of 19, I knew my worth. You knew your boundaries early on. I did. I did. And so uh, him and I decided to break up and not be together, but we would still you know, jointly, separately raise Donovan, which is my yes. And I basically grew up with my kid. Wow. We grew How up was that? With, um, I looked at it as a responsibility. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it was, uh, my job, so I looked at right. it as a, I'd worked since I was 14 years old. So I looked at it as a job to make sure that I could get this little human from infancy to graduation and to make him an adult. It is a job, girl. <laughs> and yeah, it was a job. So I decided that I, one, I didn't want to be on assistance no judgment on people who are and Mm -hmm. for me i didn't want to do that so i had a job i had gotten a job um, out of high school working at circuit city and it was a great job i mean it was a great paying job it was a sales job and i luckily was able to i mean at the time i wanted to be a hairstylist wow my, that was what I was going to do when, until I got pregnant and decided I actually, I needed to make enough money because I didn't want to be on assistance and mm-hmm. I to be able to take care of me and my son. Um, at that point I was already moved out on my own. I moved out on my own three days after wow. I turned 18 then wow. uh, got pregnant that set that December. <laughs> wow. So, so uh, you are, you have been living and growing up with your son as a single mom for since he was little yeah uh, for the first wow. i would say that for the first six years of his life 
I was truly just raising him by myself. And his dad was there sometimes. Wow. That's, that's, you know, a challenge all on its own, but I know with your personality, you are just so competitive, you know, in, in, uh, in life and in business. Like, I think, I think that as a single mom, even though like for me, I always wonder how do how do they do it? But then, of course, when I'm thinking about how I do my business, I do my business single-handedly and I have multiples, you know. And so I, I see those two parallels. It's like this is how they do it is how I do this, even though it's not exactly the same. But the responsibilities are almost parallel, you know. So, so when did you – you said you, you were selling candy bars you were a candy bar dealer. <laughs> <laughs> I was. So you've always been so fascinated with sales, right? So it, and really what it was, it was people. People. Yeah. I really liked interacting with people. It was fun for me. <laughs> wow. So before we dive deep into the sales coaching that you currently do, tell me how you've progressed into creating impactful women's Northwests in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then now it's transitioned into impactful people because we want to include the, the men in our lives because mm -hmm. they are special as well. Yeah. And, and then you just co-created, or I don't know if you were, you were the brain of the Women's Guide Northwest or Northwest Women's Guide, and, and I'm so excited about that. Oh, yeah. That's going to be awesome. So tell me about those hoops that you're going through and how do you, they came about and all those good stuff. And then you can just transition into sales coaching, and I kind of, this is where I kind of came in in the in your sales coaching world where I got to know you a lot better, you know, and all these good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so when I started in sales and I was raising Donovan and I was doing that for a job, I was kind of limited because if I wanted to make the income I needed to make, I needed to have a career where I was going to be able to make the income in order to support us. And I started out, like I said before, at certain city. And it launched me into a space where I was then fascinated by communication and relationships and personal development. So that was, I mean, I started my little personal development road back when I was 20 years old. And so I just kept learning and growing and learning and growing. And it was a challenge for me because I was in a very, um, sales in, in where I was, was electronics, appliances, um, mm -hmm. mattresses. It was a very male dominated industry. Mm. Male like all of my managers were men. All of the people I worked with were men. And at that point, I mean, I was a fiery little single, you know, <laughs> 30 pounds, you know, redhead. Firecracker. Uh, yeah, a firecracker <laughs> with a lot of personality. Um, 
And so there was a lot of things and uh, challenges that I had to really develop myself to be okay with dealing with at the time. Uh, there's a mm. ton of sexual innuendos and, you know, mm. sexual expectations. And in order to fit into the guy's crowd, you kind of had to speak the guy's language back then. And mm. uh, so that was just something I developed. A, I mean, a really tough, like, like I, I think I posted the other day about feelings. Mm. When you show feelings around the guys back in the day, that was a sign of weakness. Oh, yes, I know. They took advantage of that too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but the, the thing about that though is that it develops this outer tough skin. And so you can kind of roll with the punches. Mm -hmm. And that kind of went along with the rejection portion of sales. You know, when you're building up your sales, you know, skill set, rejection, you have to be able to deal with. Yeah. So all those things, you know, and being in the industry and staying in the industry, um, I realized that that was, that was going to define me in a huge way. And that's a skill set. So wow. I started to really hone in on that skill set and develop the leadership and develop the personal development. And I was really into leadership. I really like my friends at work were managers and I loved hanging out with those people. It was just like where my head was at anyway. I was always kind of a company person, wanted to make sure that everything was right across the company. And so when I stepped in 2013, I stepped out into the world of outside sales. Wow. And I started to meet and network like I went to three events a day for three months straight. Wow. Well, I needed to find out, you know, I started in a new industry. I had no idea about who was the, like, who my target market was. I was in digital marketing at a startup. Wow. I yeah. I didn't know my target market. I didn't know digital marketing and I didn't know where or what was going to happen. Cause I was always nervous about sales and outside sales. So I'd already done wow. And so I started to, at these events, I would run in to all of these like-minded women. Wow. And I was a manager for seven years um, at a male-dominated company, and I managed women. Wow. Very different dynamic. So at that point, as you know, I have a very uh, strong personality. Yes. You and me both. Yes. And some people can be intimidated by that. And some people mm -hmm. react differently because of their own stories around it. Mm -hmm. And so when I came into outside sales and I was out there networking, I started meeting people like you and like Barbie and like Lonnie and all these like driven, positive, like collaborative type women. I was like, yep. Yes. You're like, I found home. I found my people. I was like, this is amazing. And it was like, I just wanted to suck it up. I wanted to <laughs> it and surrounded by all of these amazing women. And I was like, men are fine. I knew how to deal with men. I knew that, no problem. But the women I was so refreshed by. And so I'm an efficiency type of person. Uh -huh. I'm all about utilizing my time the most effectiveness and effectively mm -hmm. so i'm like i'm just gonna make you know these networking things this is nothing i'm like so fun outside sales i'm like 
So what you're saying is I just going to build relationships with a bunch of people. Right. Uh, Sign me up. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's me anyway. That's my personality anyway. I mean, I was networking or referring to people back when I was 18. Yes. I can only imagine how many people I'd sent to my hairstylist. It's ridiculous. I know. I can't even get an appointment anymore. <laughs> that kind of, you know, when I see something I like, I tell the world about it. Yes. And so I was like, I love these women. I'm going to get these people together. And so I just started a meetup. I just started doing social hours. Wow. And I wanted it to be something that at the time, there wasn't any other networking that crossed the bridge. And for my mm. job, for my business, I was on both sides of the river. I was on Portland. I was in Vancouver. So I was, I wanted to create something and I found like, oh my gosh, there's all these women over on this side of the river and there's all these women on yes. this side of the river. Let's bring them together. Wow. Enough of the segregation. Let's bring it together and have these people connect. And so I decided that I wanted to do it on both sides of the river. And that was wow. great. Um, and so then through that, like I started to build this following and networking and all these people started coming and I had all these new connections and I was like growing and you know, my, my main goal in life when I was at um, my last job was to expand my circle of influence. Mm -hmm. If you go back and look at my, my vision boards back in the day, it was how can I expand my circle? Well, mm. I, I did that. And like I said, I always gravitate towards leaders or managers or people who are like of that mindset. So at uh -huh. all of these events that I would attend and all the people that would come, like I wasn't just like networking with the people who were willing to say hi to me. I'd be the one that would go up to the speaker at the event and be like, hey, let's be friends. I know, <laughs> I'm the same way. It's, it's like, uh, go straight to the source. <laughs> exactly, like I would Wow. mom was at an event, I would go up to her and be like, what's up? Let's be friends. Yeah. Like, it doesn't you know, phase me, the hierarchy of society or, you know, but I'll still, I'll do the same thing with the, like the janitor or somebody who's unemployed. It doesn't matter. because There's not, no label. There's no label. It's not for a purpose. Yeah. The energy connects. Exactly. It's where exactly. energy is. And that's why, it's how I've grown it. To where yes. now, and then bringing in, I can't do it all on my own. So bringing in other mm -hmm. people who are like-minded, like me. Yes. And making yes. those connections. And then from that, fast forward almost five years later, mm -hmm. I've gone and made friends with all the people that run organizations because those are my people. Mm -hmm. And uh, Francine Reed with Voices um, she does a huge event in Portland. If you've never been, she brings in amazing speakers. There's like a thousand women that go to these. It's called Voices Inc. Wow. And uh, we got together for coffee because obviously we're like, we got to hang out. And she is a completely different generation than I am. So she's much, much um, older than I am. And she's been around a long time. I think Voices has been around for 20 years. So it's ridiculous. Wow. Um, wow. So I was like, tell me about you. Let's she told me about back in the day, there was something called the Pacific, like a, a Northwest Women's Summit, 
where a lot of the leaders from the, the, the different organizations locally got together on a quarterly basis. They talked about what challenges women were facing in the business in the, in the, in the area. And okay. it, it went along for a really long time, but it kind of fizzled and then just kind of went away. Mm. So that wasn't, it wow. wasn't sustainable uh, or sustainable. So I was like, that's a great idea. <laughs> like, huh? I was like, yeah, let's do that. <sighs> so I'm not even joking you. She's like, oh, okay. You know, it sounds good. I could see it in her eyes. She was like, yeah, that's someday we'll do that. You know, I could feel <laughs> like, not kidding you. By the end of the day, I already had a Facebook group invites. Um, we had, uh, so like everything I had, everything my head, a meeting set. I had a lunch meeting. I had a, you know, I had a location to host us. I was like, no, we're going to do this. We're creating the Pacific Northwest Women's Summit. And Francine's like, oh, I didn't know you were serious. I'm like, <laughs> I don't play around, Francine. I love people that move fast. Because, like, I'm, I am not an analytical. I don't know if you are. Um, not really. Depends. I, I, I go I'm organized. Way but not analytical. You know, I have my organizations, I have my systems in place. I, I have, this is why I have to have systems because I'm not, I don't have that part of the brain of me that works really good. Right. Well, so I depend. It's not your strength. Yeah. It's not my strength and I depend on systems and that's why I have to create systems. But you said something about outside sales that made me smile because a lot of times I think that people that are not in the realm of the networking scene or they're hiding in their office can sometimes see, see us as just like, I want their job. They're just having so much fun and they never work, you know? And I love our jobs because it doesn't feel like work when you are out and about, but there is a lot of work behind the scene <laughs> that, um, that happens. And I, and I was just talking to my hubby about it, that we, we work very hard and sometimes we don't have a paycheck for weeks. And then all of a sudden these hard work, that exposure that we do happens down the road, you know, but, but the work that we do is very different than the work that other people do. Mm -hmm. And they perceive it as we don't work. We just have fun. <laughs> and it really is hard work. You know, as much as it looks fun, I think that it needs to be communicated that we work our butts off mm -hmm. and, you know, it requires those things. Then you also said something about, when there's a speaker, you approach the speaker and, you know, you'll still talk to janitors and you'll still talk to the other people. But I think that's the part of us that intimidates people mm -hmm. because we immediately go to what's aligned, you know, what's aligning for us. We connect with those people and we're not afraid to go approach it. Mm -hmm. to tackle it. And I think that's a really good quality of a leader in, to be able to, um, and we don't mean to be intimidating. We don't, you know, and if you are, it, like you said, I want to be, 
I want to know them. It's really cool to pick people's brain. Oh. Don't you like thrive on that? I love doing that, hearing people's stories. Yeah. In fact, most of the So time when did you create Impactful Women in this journey? What made me create that? When did you create it in this journey? Like what made you create these impactful women events and impactful people events? Well, I mean, at first- Was that part of- Yeah, it was just, I mean, at first it was just to create, so with impactful women, it was just to create a group of women that were positive, like-minded, collaborative, and supporting each other. And um, I wanted it to be, you know, non-commitment. I didn't want people to- it's interesting what you said that you constantly look for the validation and, and this is when you know money does not change anything because when we become really good at our skill set, we can get paid money. People pay us to deliver our, our mission, to deliver our service, but yet money alone does not fill our cup. And I love that you said that you have to fill your own cup. Outside exterior factors are great, but they're fleeting, they're temporary. And as soon as they come, they go just as fast, you know? So that's really a beautiful statement that you made about um, my question on, you know, if you were to do it over again, would you change it and what would you do? So my next question for you is if your mother was listening today, what would you tell her? What's your message to your mom or your dad and your dad? Oh my goodness. Um, well, this is a message that I'd like to definitely give them at some stage. Um, my message, I'm going to go with my dad first. Okay. My message to my dad is thank you for teaching me um, to be strong and speak my mind because I've always done that. Um, my dad taught me very, I mean, not that he set it out and said, oh, these are boundaries, but I think he was very, um, very clear on boundaries. And mm -hmm. I think he, he was able to teach me um, to have a voice, to have a strong voice and not, mm. not, not be submissive. So even though I was very much a people pleaser and I wanted, certainly as a kid and a teenager, and I wanted them to be happy and all that, I wasn't scared to use my voice either. Mm. So I'd like to thank my dad certainly for that. Um, and what the role model that he's been in that way. And then as far as my mum, what would I say to her? Well, thank you for loving me completely unconditionally. And it is, it's such an honor that she brought, or you, as in my mum, you brought me into the world and you're going to be with me when I pass. Mm -hmm. And although I can't think of anything, uh, to be honest, Karine, I can't think of anything more awful than outliving one's children. I, mm. I, I, I just, I can't think of anything more terrible than that. And that's what my mum and dad will have to do. For me, it seems very sacred that she will be with me when I die. Mm. Um, and I, I don't think I'd want it any other way. Um, and she has loved me unconditionally. And, and so, um, so, so, so vehemently, like my mum doesn't hold back on her love and she's wow. very tactile. So I feel very, very blessed with that. So 
gosh, those, those are big questions. And I was sort of on the spot, but I think that's where I'd go in, in what I'd say. I love to it. Them, I, think. I, I love it. What is your message to your husband? Mark is his name. Michael. Michael. Sorry. What's your message to Michael? Wow. Wow. Where do I start? Well, Michael has stood by me uh, for 20, hang on. Yeah. 22 years. We've been married this summer wow. and I, I said to him, I wrote him a letter recently and I said, and the last 22 years, and then especially the last three years, and then massively the last two months or six weeks, whatever it's been. Um, and his support has been unwavering, completely consistent. And mm. so my message to him is, thank you. You've, you've, you've never wavered. You've been there holding my hand and, um consistently as well like hasn't backed down um and he has shared how he feels and what his needs are uh, but always prioritizing mine um and it, and he's made me feel very safe kareen and i think that that gosh when we feel safe i think anything is possible um michael's mantra is onwards so whenever we went through a low or we got bad news he'd take my hand and he'd say onwards and and i meant that and i knew that meant with him it wasn't just oh off you go on your own onwards <laughs> it was, wow. i'm here for you we're doing this together onwards um so i mean we often hear this cliched expression he's he's my rock or she's my rock but my goodness he is my foundation and uh, I, 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 I couldn't do it without him and I wouldn't be here without him either. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. And, you know, when you said you wrote a letter for him, like you could totally just tell him, but it's that little subtle action. You practice what you preach to write him a letter and all that. That's beautiful. So when you yes. heard, so my brand is called Mother Hustler. Yes. And um, when you heard that word, because it's one word put together, what comes to mind? And, you know, what is, and I'll, I'll tell you my, my mission is to validate and evaluate other moms. And frankly, to also validate myself, because as I interview people, and as good as I think I am, I have my days and I still need validation through and through every single time. And every time I hear someone's journey like yours or other women that I interview, I always get this validation and I always feel like a winner. It's like, ah, oh, I knew I wasn't alone, you know? And so yes. that's, that's the validate and evaluate. And valuation, we talked about that. Our self-worth is just for some reason as women, we take on so much and we don't feel like we are worth it. So it's, it's that validation and valuation. I think it's the key thing I want to, the message I want to send to other moms. And then the mission is to mother the world. And I think there's no better person to mother the world than yourself today. Oh, so wonderful. What is your definition and what comes to mind first when you hear my brand, Mother Hustler? Yes. Now this is, it's an interesting, because I, I think a lot of it is semantics, but it's very interesting that I think at Spark, I used, and I deliberately didn't today, but I used the word that I used to force and I used to hustle because it's interesting, isn't it? Where society um, 
I think we've gone through different phases where it's almost like hustling was acceptable. But I, I, I know you're coming from a different place. Like mm -hmm. I, when I think of hustle, I'm thinking of hard work, pushing, forcing. Mm -hmm. Everything's a bit of a struggle. Whereas yes. now I've learned more is, uh, sorry, it's more important to focus on flow and ease and grace. Mm -hmm. And then of course, that's all very well to say, but how do we do that? Well, we right. learn strategies and tools and, and accept ourselves and all the rest of it. So I'm not suggesting that comes in 10 minutes, <laughs> but for me, m mother hustler, um, where certainly when I saw your brand, I thought, wow, what an interesting uh, combination of the words because, uh, I'm not blessed to have children, but I've got plenty of friends who do. And I thought, well, you couldn't sum it up better because you are, as you, many of your listeners are, are already a full-time entrepreneur and being a mum is completely full-time. That doesn't stop in the evening because it's the evening that just carries on all through the night and into the next morning. Mm. And your duties and the expectations on you are ongoing and um, I don't, like I say, I'm not equipped to know exactly, so I can't speak from experience, but I wonder if the, um, the, the feeling, the way you evaluate yourselves is a daily battle at mm -hmm. times. How's the world looking at me? How am I looking at me? Am I doing a good enough job? It, at work and with my children or my child. So for me, it was a very interesting combination that uh, I, I thought was a perfect combination as well. But Thank I would you. hope that uh, for your tribe, your, your followers, Kareen, that they are striving for um, that place of ease and flow into motherhood uh, mm. or through motherhood rather and uh, through work as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when I, when I thought of that name, I felt like most moms, we lose our identity because we think, you know, we have this huge responsibility of raising our kids and making them a, a really good human yes. being. And, and so we, like you did, you put yourself on the bottom of the lists in your, or, or, or you're not even on your to-do list. <laughs> right. Don't even on the list. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're not even on the list. So, so the idea was, you know, it's okay to have your own identity while you're mothering, you know, don't lose your, your own identity while you mother, you know, going through your motherhood duties, because it can be done in, you know, it can be done side by side each other um, in a flow from a, a, from a place of flowing, not forcing, you yes. know? So one last thing before we go and thank you again for, oh, I could totally talk with you all day. Um, thank you, again you. For, for being here. And um, before we go, I want to make sure everybody knows where to find you. And I know you're on Facebook. You have a hashtag. Can you share all that with our listeners um, before I'd I love to. ask you the last thing? May, may I just share what I had also said at Spark about asking, Kareem? Because mm -hmm. I, I don't think that... Um, it doesn't matter if somebody's in business um, and or a mum, but I think particularly if they're a mum, because I know I joke just now saying, oh, there's good stuff, but it doesn't come overnight. I mean, of course, it takes time and it's a process to shift out of hustle into ease. But 
what I found, uh, please know, I'm not suggesting my journey of cancer is like being a mother. I'm, I'm not su suggesting there's a, there's a similarity there, but what I've learned over the last three years was um, one of my biggest learnings has been the importance of asking for help mm. because, and I, I'm thinking of my mum friends who might just want to throw themselves under the, the duvet and go back to bed and just not face the world and, and all the pressures that are on them. But there are so many people out there that want to help us. Um, mm. And all we really need to do is ask. And so a lot of it is about boxing up that pride, pushing it to the side and saying, can you help? Can you drive Jane here? Or can you get my grocery shopping this afternoon? Or mm. whatever it is, even right. if it's some things, can you make that phone call for me? Because mm. I don't have the energy. And what I've learned on my journey is people are so darned happy to be given directions to do something. People mm. just rejoice. Oh, because I've heard so many times, thank God you've given me something to do. Yes, I'm more than happy to do it. And sometimes people don't want to ask because they're afraid that it could um, knock somebody's pride or perhaps mm. they don't want my help or maybe they need space. But I think actually let's let's help those people let's direct them by saying can you help me please because mm. the worst case scenario is they're going to say no, no i have no interest in doing that or i don't have time or whatever it is that's the worst thing and then the person's not going to be any worse off they're going to be exactly the same position but if they ask who knows what's possible mm. um so th that was sort of a little takeaway point and i know for some people asking for help is a massive thing that's like climbing a mountain yes. but i wonder if the short-term pain of doing that, of climbing that mountain and asking, is actually worth it for the long-term gain. Sure. And the, the pride they feel in themselves, and then, of course, the support they get. Um, so, yes, thank you. So it's a little different when I give my contact details because I no longer have a website. And, mm. of course, I would usually have said, oh, please sign up for my newsletter and things like that. But if your, um, your ladies are on Facebook, uh, that's sort of my platform. And I mm. love to share what's going on there. So Annabelle Fisher on, on Facebook. And my, the URL for my website is now um, linked into my YouTube channel. So okay. that's AnnabelleFisher.com. Um, and I've got, it's a small number, but it's growing of video. I mean, I've got low, hundreds of videos on there for EFT and various things, but more recently, um, my journey and what this has been like for me. So uh, you would be most welcome to find me there as well. I'll also add it to my podcast notes in the episode so people can see it on the iTunes and Spotify and all that. Oh, good wonderful. Stuff. Thank you, love. So one last thing before I let you go, your message to all of us. Your last message to all of us. Yes. So I would uh, kind of bounce off the asking. I would say be fearless in receiving love and allowing that love. Be fearless in asking for help because I feel like that's a real demonstration of love. People show their love for helping others. And for, as Kareen asked me, like, what's that process? Think about if you had two months to grab life with both hands, what would that consist of? And really sit with, wow, is it all business? Or is it a mixture mm. of business and my relationships, personal life? Or actually, is it the small stuff like saying hello to the stranger 
on the mm. street or um, making that phone call. And, and I think subtle is as profound as, as massive action. Um, so in conclusion, be fearless and brave in grabbing life with both hands and do it because you can because I still can, but there will become a time where I no longer can. And there are, mm. and, and I know we've, all of us here today have, have lost someone. So those yeah. people don't have that, that blessing, that luxury to grab life with both hands. But you listening today can do that because you're here now. Thank you so much for that message. And guys, you can also find Annabelle and hashtag make your one life count and hashtag um, grab, grab life, life with both hands. With both hands. So there's a ton of us hashtagging that too from Spark even. Um, so there's a, a lot of content there. But Annabelle, thank you so much for, for your time. And I appreciate how you show up in this world and how mm. you've, you've just given us all these messages of just changing our life and living a, a more aware life. Um, and the subtle thing is to appreciate the subtle things we can do and we don't have to spend a lot of money to do it. Absolutely. I, I yes. really appreciate that message. So thank you so much for, for everything today. Oh, you are most welcome, my love. You are a fantastic interviewer. I've been interviewed quite a lot over the years and this has been fun and you're spot on and you listen so well and you bounce off what I said. So it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Thank you. And I will see you around on Facebook and have an awesome evening there. Thank you. Yes. And you have a good day because your day is just starting. Yes. All right, sisters, thank you so much for listening and always supporting the Being Mother Hustler podcast every single episode, every single week. I know most of you take screenshots of these episodes and share it all over your social media outlet. And for some of you that's left us a five-star review from the bottom of my heart, I'm so super grateful for you. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And it would mean the world to the entire Mother Hustler Nation community if you wrote us a five-star review. Because I'm telling you, this is not about me. This is not about you. It's about all of us in the community inspiring each other, learning from each other, and not allowing each other to make any excuses to chase our dreams. I swear I read those reviews and it fuels me to my core, makes me cry for great reasons, so I so look forward to reading those reviews. As always, sisters, don't forget to give, serve, live, and love. Have a mother hustling day.